coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. How do you move on from lots of horrible past things? (laughs) There's been abuse in the past, like physical or or emotional abuse in the past, or one or both of you have cheated on each other and y'all want to move on. Which one is it? Some of all of that. (laughs) Oh, geez, Louise on a stick. What up, what up, what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. So glad that you've joined us. Happy New Year. Hope you're doing well. Hope it is not freezing wherever you are. Our, uh, <laughs> I looked for the low for tomorrow or two days from now. Three. Three. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Uh, for a Texas kid, that makes me reconsider whether hell is hot. I think hell will be very, very cold. But alas, um, hope your your winter is, is going well. Hope you're having a happy new year. And we are glad you, you joined us on the greatest mental health podcast of all time ever. If you want to be on the show, go to johndeloney.com slash ask. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your five-star reviews, for hitting the subscribe button. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. It's a gift to your neighbors. It just spins the show up in the algorithms and it has been spinning up quite quite a lot. So thank you so, so much. Um, don't forget to share these episodes. All right, let's go to Rose in Lansing, Michigan. What's up, Rose? Hi, good morning. What's up? <laughs> um, you breathing. never hear that, do you? I'm sorry. <laughs> Wherever you are. All right, sorry. I got that out of my system. All right, okay, what's okay, so tell me what's up. Um oh boy, okay. Um well <laughs> I'm sorry. My singing <laughs> tends to do that to people. It's not great. <laughs> uh, I think it's just fine. <laughs> it's not. I wanted to be a metal singer growing up. That's all I wanted to be in the world. I wanted to be this really tough, cool metal singer, and now I'm a YouTuber. So it, clearly my singing is not great. But alas. All right, so this is calls about you, not not my failed attempts to be cool. So what's up? Um, well, I guess I'll just get to it. Um, my, um, question is how do you move on from past lots of horrible past things (laughs) and, um, just change your life and get your marriage back to, or I guess re- redo your marriage. <laughs> this is probably the top two or three vaguest conversations I've ever had. It's it's incredible. <laughs> How do you, you know, that stuff that they, yeah. I could, so, um, sorry. <laughs> all right. Here's, it's one of two things. Uh, and, and I'm only, this is, this is just, I've, I've had this conversation so many times either. Um, there's been abuse in the past, like physical or, or emotional abuse in the past, and y'all are still, y- you you or your spouse has is, is, is forgiven the other person and y'all want to move on, or one or both of you have cheated on each other and y'all want to move on. Which one is it? Or tell me I'm wrong. Um, some of all of that. <laughs> oh, geez. Louise on a stick. Okay. So how long have y'all been married? Yeah. Uh, we've been married seven years. Okay. And tell me first about the physical and emotional abuse. Um, well, thankfully not physical. Okay. 
but emotional um, on both sides. We've just, in the beginning of our marriage, just very immature, and thankfully we're coming out of that. Okay. But And um, when did the infidelity start? Um, on his side, probably, I don't know, maybe a year or two in. And then my side, I'd say, let's see, it'd be three years ago that that had started. Okay. With, with, did you fall for somebody or, or was it multiple partners? Um, you just started dating around behind his back. Um, one was an online thing and then a, uh, physical one, which was about a year ago, two years. Okay. Does he know about it? He does. Yes. And do you know about his? Yes. Yep. We, uh, shared it all. <laughs> okay. How, how did y'all come to, how did y'all land there? Like that's X marks the spot. How did y'all both decide we're just going to put all this on the table? What brought you there? Um, we asked the big question if we truly wanted to make this work. And okay. the only way to move forward is to share it all was our decision. <laughs> okay. And what was, what was the result of that hard conversation? Did you both, did you know he'd been cheating on you and he knew you'd been cheating on him or was it a shock to both of you or, um, um, we both knew. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How long yeah, ago and, was that? Um, how long ago was that conversation? Hmm. Uh, let's say two years ago. So what's changed in the last two years or do you find yourself right back in the same spot? Uh, thankfully not in the same spot. We're just, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm constantly tortured by my past. Your past or his past? I, I guess both. Random thoughts will come up of remembering what he's done and then remembering what I've done and then hating okay. myself for it. <laughs> I, I want to, um... I want to, for the sake of the listener and for the sake of clarity in this conversation, and uh, there's a point to me doing this, okay? Um, I want to drill down into what you just said, just thoughts of. Do you have images in your head that pop in of him being sexually involved with another woman? Do you have, do you have moments when you're taking a shower, you're sitting by yourself in the car, scrolling Instagram, and you think of physically being with this other guy and it makes you smile, or it makes your heart beat faster, and then you feel sick about it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Is that, is that the stuff that you thought would be gone by now? Like I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get from there to you have these thoughts, you're, y'all are working on it, you're putting your marriage back together, you're building something new. And yet these thoughts keep popping into your head and you thought they would be gone by now. Is that what we're getting at? Uh, yes, though. There is another uh, complication to the story here. There always is. Go for it. <laughs> well, I guess I'd say two. Get, get, get to them as quickly as you can. Cause we're, yes. we're talking to, like we're, we're taking a long time to circle the plane around the, uh, the landing strip. True. Sorry. No, it's all good. It's all good. 
Um, so who I cheated on my husband with physically was my brother-in-law and I had a child with him. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more complicated. That may be the understatement of the day. Yeah, it definitely is. It's been the vaguest, most understated. Uh, So that was your sister's husband? Uh, No, uh, that'd be my husband's sister's husband. (laughs) Dang. Which they're now divorced. Yeah, I would would just guess so. I would guess so. Yeah. Man, that makes Thanksgiving awkward, huh? Uh, Yeah, though, I mean, nobody talks about it. But yeah. Do they not see the little kid running around? Um, they do. <laughs> but I mean, he looks enough like me. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. The dysfunction here is multi-leveled. How, how can I help? What do you, uh, and you said there was one more. What's, what's the one more? Is there another one after that? Oh, just the, the chaos it's caused. In oh, the, just that. His side okay. of the family, my side of the family. Just, just that. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so how can I how can I help? Um well, I mean just moving on forward, I just I just I feel lost at what to do. Um like should this be out in the open and then we'd probably never go over to his family or see any of them. Um I don't know. They don't know? Uh, no. I mean, I'm sure they have speculations, but... Your sister-in-law doesn't know that it was you? Or she just doesn't tell anybody? She just doesn't tell anyone. Yeah, I, I don't believe that for less than half a second. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure she's told multiples. Yes. I'm confident that everybody knows. And for the sake of your husband, everybody is... And this little baby, everybody's trying to keep the peace. And I'm guessing that this isn't the only sideways meth and banjos things going on in this family lineage. And so I, I don't, I don't, I, that doesn't strike me. I, they're probably like, well, geez, you know what I mean? So right. <laughs> um, at this point, here's the deal. At this point, your husband has made some your husband chose to violate your marriage covenant, the thing y'all agreed on. You said, I do forever. He violated that. You violated that. As a consequence of that violation, now you have another child. Another marriage is destroyed. Okay? And I'm not going to put that all on you and put that on him. All of that sounds so complicated and it feels like the smoke is so thick. It's really not. And one of my favorite things to do is to sit down in a situation like this with somebody when everything feels like it's on fire and to actually unwind it because it's not. Really what you have before you is a, is a repeated series of small steps that's going to be the next six months, the next one year, the next five years, the next 25 years of your life. And that is choosing to do the next right thing. That is intentionally having once a week or for for right now, maybe twice or three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 
30-minute check-ins with your husband. How are you? How are you feeling? A commitment to him and him to you that there will be no more secrets. That means you might have to for a season be like, man, I thought about you and -and so-and-so today and I immediately tossed it out of my mind. Um, or I had a hard week just remembering things that I've done. I had a hard week remembering things that you've done. It was just tough. Or I looked up so-and-so on social media today and I just had like a moment of weakness and I screwed up and I'm feeling bad about it. And he can't fix you. All he can say is thank you for sharing that. And you can't fix him. And all you can say is thank you for sharing that. But we're practicing not having secrets anymore, which just means we're practicing telling the truth, which means we're practicing vulnerability, which means now we're practicing how to be married. See that? Right, yeah. And you got to have a daily choice to, A, not be naive because you've cheated on him once and you you might do it again and, and vice versa. And I have to choose. Every time that thought lightning bolts into my mind, I have to choose to have another thought ready to go and not dwell on it. Both the, the ones that make you want to throw up, thinking of him with another woman, and the ones that make your heart beat a little bit faster and make the you smile a little bit, you with another guy. Is that fair? That is fair. You have to choose not to entertain those. And if you don't make that choice, you're just going to be choosing to bring fog into your marriage on a daily basis. And for everyone listening, this goes for everybody who has romantic partners from the past who um, had almost affairs with that person at work, but you didn't at the last minute, right? Those, when we have other people that make us feel alive, and this is every single marriage, everybody I've ever met in my life. I don't know anybody. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, excluded from this. Old memories pop into your mind. Feelings pop into your, into your heart. Like this person laughed at my jokes. This person made me feel comfortable. This person made me feel warm. And my person I'm married to, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, whoever, doesn't make me feel that today. And so your body goes looking for it and it remembers it. And you have to have enough discipline to say, I'm not going to get my fix from somebody from my past. I'm not going to get my fix from somebody who's not my spouse. I'm going to intentionally not do this. And that's hard, man. It's hard, right? Yeah, definitely is. Um, And then you are going to have to balance this violation you made, right? You violated your core values and your covenant and you got this amazing, wonderful child. Fair? Fair. <laughs> and so you're going to have to, you're, there's just going to be a tension there and trying to feel like that tension doesn't exist or pretend that tension doesn't exist is a waste of your time and energy because it's always going to be the best, worst thing that ever happened to you. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah. Have you said it out loud? You slept with your sister-in-law's husband. That happened. You did that with a period. You shouldn't have done that. Can we, can we agree on that? Yes, definitely. Yes. And you have an amazing young kid. How old is this baby? Uh, he's one. Okay. Is he incredible? Is he hilarious, funny, silly, quiet? Who, tell me about him. He is a complete goofball. Good. <laughs> Good. Sounds like and, he's following after his mom, right? <laughs> yes. And he runs around with his brother and his sisters and awesome. absolutely crazy. Good. <laughs> um, we're going to honor this little kid. And at the same time, we're not going to shroud this thing in shame. 
um, going to family events and pretending like things didn't happen is it. That's the curse of generations. It's the fog that hangs over every get together. It's the black smoke that covers up. The, I mean, that is in the air of every interaction between family members. And at some point, your husband, it's his family. He's got to step up and say, hey, this happened. This is, and this is what we're doing about it. We're raising this kid. It's going to be great. Do you have any contact with the other guy? Uh, no, he just ran off. <laughs> okay. So you have 100% full custody? Yes. Yep. Has your husband adopted this kid? Um, under the law here, he just automatically became uh, the full guardian. Okay. I would get with somebody and make sure that's written down, make sure that's in some sort of paperwork so that this other dude didn't pop back up um, okay. in the future. Um, here, here's what I want you guys to, to sit down and ask. And this is a new year and this is a great time to start this. How can you encourage life in your husband? Here's what I mean by that. What makes him feel alive? When you hold his hand, watching a TV show, going dancing, when he's out farming or hunting, I don't know what he does or fixing stuff. I don't know who this dude is. But what makes <laughs> him feel alive and how can you contribute to that? To breathing life into his life. And vice versa, how can he give you life? How can he breathe life into your life? That might be as simple as helping around the house with, with dishes and babies and diapers and stuff like that. That could be taking you out once a week. That could be planning for a big vacation once a year. That could be working four jobs to pay off any money your family owes to other people because you can't breathe. It could be meeting Monday, Wednesday, Friday to make sure you're being intentional and make sure your marriage is staying on this very wobbly track that it's on right now. But how do how do you breathe life into his life, into his world? And how does he breathe life into your world? That's the question y'all are asking. And this is going to take both of you taking a knee because y'all have both been really, really selfish and you've both been really, really immature. And now you got kids and now it's time to grow up. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you in? I'm in. How can I help that journey? Do you have my books and, and all the gear? I don't. <laughs> okay. So I want you to hang on the line. I'm going to send you a copy of both Redefining Anxiety and Own Your Past, Change Your Future, which are my two best-selling books. And I'm going to send you both decks of questions for humans for couples. And this is just going to be a way for you and your husband to have conversations together. I've already done the work for you. I've already asked the question. You just have to pull these cards out when y'all are having some some private time together, not with kids running around everywhere. Whether it's y'all on the front porch, whether it's y'all in the bedroom, whether it's y'all out on a date, bring these cards, and this is just going to be a way to introduce humanity. And for God's sake, don't cheat, period. And especially don't cheat with family members. No more. No more. Thank you for being brave and for your call. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you, or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us 
have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. Whew, all right, we're back. Let's go to Lauren in Gainesville, Florida. What's up, Lauren? Hey. How we doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. So what's up? Um, so I kind of wrote down just the gist of it. Um, so I am a special education teacher and have been at my current school for about three years now. Um, I love my classroom, my students. I love working with the other adults in my classroom. However, about a month ago, I had to report two of my coworkers to my administration as well as DCF for things that I saw and heard them do towards a child who is nonverbal and autistic. What'd they do? Um, I know I did. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much I can really say, um, but it was just something out at the playground. Um, and it dealt with um, a potential video of a student um, showing some private parts. Um, I didn't know if there was a video, and so that's why I kind of had to report it. Um, but also, I heard some things about some retaliation of why that student was so upset in the first place um, by a different teacher. Um, okay. And then my principal was actually the one to tell me to report it to DCF. Um, cool. There, there was an investigation with DCF, but um, the school did an investigation, and then they basically just returned back to school about um, three or four days after the incident. So was the finding that you thought that something really bad had happened, turns out something really bad didn't happen, no part, no harm, no foul, or did the school find things and sweep it under the rug? I don't know. I never okay. knew anything about what the investigation, you know, resulted in. Um, sometimes so yeah. <laughs> depending on, and again, I don't know your state and I don't know whether you're in a union and all that kind of stuff, but often mm -hmm. the complainant has a written response that comes to them. Okay. Does that make sense? So if you, if you, um, and I know this is especially in assault, um, investigations, if you complained about something, um, you made a complaint, I say complaining, like you're whining, not like that, but you, you made mm -hmm. a complaint that somebody, um, uh, sexually assaulted you or was had inappropriate contact with you, you would mm -hmm. get, after a certain amount of time, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you would get a written report of the findings. Even from, like, the school district? Yes. That's okay. Part, I don't know if that applies in Florida. I don't know if that applies in your particular district, especially to a report like this. Why didn't yeah. the school district, I mean, why didn't... Uh, 
What it's CPS from from Texas. What, what's it called there? DCF. DCF. Well, why did they not do any sort of investigation? Um, they just kind of send an email after saying that there wasn't enough to go about it. Okay. To okay. look further into it. Okay. Based on based on what I was telling them. Okay. Cool. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing you're a pariah now. Um. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's basically my question. Um, cause like, I know I did the right thing. Everyone has told me that, um, I did what my administration told me to do. Um, but not just from the two people, um, but my whole kind of special education preschool team, um, pretty much will either tell me that I did the wrong thing or, when I say hi to them in the hallways, they just stare at me and ignore me. Um, my actual like para paraprofessionals in my classroom, they are on my side, if you will. Um, and so we're just kind of in our own little classroom and the other couple of classrooms, they do their holiday party without us. They, um, kind of just stay on their side. Um, so it's kind of getting a little lonely, um, and a bit awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're the snitch now, Lauren. Yes. Jeez Louise. Okay. So <sighs> here's a perfect world. A perfect world is you see something like that. And in your mind, some a couple of teachers are taking advantage, sexually explicit videos of a student with special needs, any student. And mm-hmm. they're laughing about it. They're making jokes about it. And you immediately flip your lid as you should, as any adult with a pulse should. And you report that, your principal tells you to report it, they come back and turns out it was the whole thing was a misunderstanding. In no way was what was what you thought was happening actually happening. Then those adults mm-hmm. come to you and they're like, hey, what ha- why'd you report us? And you say, man, because of this and this. And they're like, oh, geez, I totally get it. A, thank God you care this much about students, young people, children. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happened at all. In the future, just holler at us, dude, and we'll be, we'll be, we'll be the first to tell you. And there would be some sort of uh, – we talked about on the show uh, probably about a year ago. There was a dad who was walking out of like a TJ Maxx or something, and his little oh, child yeah. was throwing a temper tantrum, right? And then the guy walking in stopped, and the dad said, thank God somebody stopped. Even though my kids don't have temper tantrum, I'm just getting out of the store. I'm glad that somebody cared enough to stop. That's what I hope. That's the way I hope adults act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and if I didn't do anything wrong, I shouldn't care about an investigation. Why would I care about that? I didn't do anything. So that's how it. We, I would hope it works in a perfect world. We don't live in yeah. that world. We live in a world where it's, I told my son the other day, who's in seventh grade. He's like, I can't wait till middle school's over. And I was like, I got, I got to break some bad news to you, brother. This is the rest of your life when people will be like, oh my gosh, what are you wearing? Why are you wearing this? Is that how you cut your hair? Oh my gosh. That's going to be the rest of your life. And so you've heard me say not by your hand, but in your lap. You were minding your Mm -hmm. business at work and all of a sudden you saw something that was the core epitome of evil. You reported it. You did the right thing. You didn't do anything about it. I mean, you didn't cause any of this, but it landed in your lap. You responded to it. And now you have to own the consequences of having done the right thing, which often are miserable. Yes. Right? And so it sounds like bef- the choices you have before you 
or to go to another school or mm-hmm. to make peace with, I did the right thing. And it, at the end of the day, my integrity wins out. And over a long enough period of time, people will make their way back to somebody who is of character. Yeah. So that's basically my question. <laughs> you tell me. I can't tell you to quit your job. I but, know. But you said the L word. You said you're lonely, and I hate that word. And part of me doesn't want to see somebody like a, a group of immature bullies win mm-hmm. by you leaving. The other side of it is um, I don't, I don't want you to have an already more miserable life than you got right now for doing the right thing. For trying to love and care for kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's the old saying, you know, Jay-Z is like, just just brush your shoulders off, dude. Or, you know, Jesus, like, dust your sandals off. Like, I'm out. There's a part of me that's just mm-hmm. like, I'm out. Like, if this is how it's going to be, man, for me doing the right thing, then God bless y'all. Have fun. And I'm just <laughs> not going to think a second thing of it. Um, what's magic about this place that you don't want to leave? Or is it just the principle of the um, thing? No, it's, it's mostly just, um, the people in my classroom. So I have like four adults who help me. Um, and they all have basically told me that they want to stay in my classroom for next year, that they don't want to go to these other classrooms. Um, you know, because but they probably the have little to no influence over that. Um, well, that's where our principal is actually pretty cool. Like we do, um, put forth what we kind of want and she usually tries to keep it how, um, we kind of request it to her. Um, We kind of do have some say over what students we have in our classrooms and um, what adults. Have you gone to talk to your teacher? I mean, your principal and asked to say, Hey man, things are really awful. Is there, I don't know if they've got any ideas or they can bring people together or go for a retreat or some, some way to heal some of this. Um, But it may just be adults acting like adults and it's just hard. I mean, adults acting like children, it's just hard. Yeah, they had, um, I had brought it up kind of within the first couple of days because it was a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, people were a lot more obvious and some names were being called. Yeah. Um, and so they had brought in and kind of talked about it. Um, since then, it's more of a professional ignoring, um, if you will. They put it on you, like you be the grown up and just going about your day. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, there's so, hey, th- no, listen, no there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for it. Dude, I'm like, I'm going to come here and love these students. Take care. I got a core group of professionals that work with me that we're, we're, we're a great team. I'm going to love these kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go home, man. Some of that is shifting your expectations on what the workplace is supposed to provide to you. I'm going to get my friendships and my community and my connections outside of here. I also know the reality for a special ed teacher. Um, I taught in a co-taught classroom uh, mm. for a couple of years. There's multiple adults in that classroom. You it, you have to rely on the community outside. You're there at 7 a.m. You leave at 7 p.m. You're there all day, right? Um, that's your world, man. And it's no good when you can't walk down the hall and say hi and people just go <laughs> like we're on Mean Girls Part 2 or something like that. So um, I, I can't tell you because I don't live in your situation and I wouldn't tell you whether you quit or not. I don't see it as a failure. I don't see it as a moral, you're somehow less of character if you leave. That's you just saying, I want to have a better life. I did the right thing. Y'all can be immature. I want to have a better life. And good special ed teachers are so hard to come by. You will have another job before you can, you can blink. 
I also don't have any problem with you trying to crest above it. <laughs> I'm going to continue to be nice and smile and wave. And if y'all want to continue to give me the silence treatment, silent treatment like we're in sixth grade, then you're welcome. You're welcome to burden yourselves with that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue to love kids, be a great professional, be a great colleague. And if I see something else that I think is abusive, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to do it every single time. So, um, sorry you're in this in this in this pickle, man. It's it's no fun, but I'm really proud of you for doing the hard thing, following your gut. Even though it, hey, it may not it ended up there was nothing actionable here. What was what you thought was happening wasn't happening. I still applaud your bravery for seeing something and saying something. All of us could do that a little bit more. Thank you so much for the call. We'll be right back. It seems like everybody's talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless homebuyers feel. Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades. And their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at churchillmortgage.com slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, we are back. Let's go to D. Is it D or die? That's incredible. Die I mean, from Washington, so D.C.? Die. Yes. Is this yes, that's me. In, can I tell you something hilarious? Um, in sure. college, I had a roommate from a tiny town in Kansas. Guy was amazing. He's one of my best friends in the world still. But he listened to like Tony, 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 and he had like NSYNC Christmas record. I did not. Yes. I had lots of Pantera records. So Pantera was coming to town and I'd seen them a few times and I was like, we got to go to this show. And so he went to the mirror and he wrote die on his forehead, <laughs> but it was in the mirror. So it came out backwards. Oh no. And then it was like in permanent marker. And so he had die written on his head backwards for the whole show. Oh gosh. And it was awesome. And now, and anytime I hear the word die, it makes me think of that, except that's your name. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. All right, Di from Washington. <laughs> What's up? Hey, so I am a homeschooling mom of four kids, and I'm actually calling about my number three today. He's nine years old, and he is probably the cutest little guy you'll ever meet. Um, he's really funny. He's very lighthearted, just a kind, kind boy. Um, but, um, He's also super, super competitive, like takes it so much to heart. In, and I mean, in everything, it's not just athletically, it's in board games, it's in pickup sports, it's, um, he plays baseball. So if they lose a game, it's 
borderline devastating for him. Um, but the other thing that he is really competitive and sensitive about is school. And since I'm his teacher, um, I get the brunt of it. And I actually get to see his reaction to feelings of um, failure or losing. And so what he does when he feels frustrated or like he's just not getting a concept is he will just turn into this tiny ball of rage. And what that ends up looking like is he has very negative self-talk. He'll go up to his room and he will scream. And at the top of his lungs, he'll yell, you know, I'm so stupid. I'll never be good at anything. Why doesn't anybody like me? I'm so lonely. You know, things like that. It just really devolves into everything that feels like it's wrong in his life. And depending on how upset he is, like what he's upset about, um, and this is the part that I'm actually really concerned about, is he will dig his nails into his arms or his his legs until he's either got really deep, bruisey-like marks or he's bleeding. Um, But like I said, outside of school and sports, like things that involve competition or where he can get frustrated, he's just really... He's just really a good boy. And I don't really know how to manage this because my husband and I were really intentional with the kids, like finding things to praise about them, shaming and guilting over sports, school performance. That's just, that's not part of who we are or what we do. So I'm really looking like to understand and then move forward in helping him deal with these issues in a more healthy way. Uh, That's a great question. Um, I'm going to tell you out of the gate that I'm going to recommend that you take him to a local play therapist there in Washington. Okay. Okay. And um, off the top of my head, here's what it sounds like. How old are your kids? I have a 15-year-old, 13-year-old, 9-year-old, and 6-year-old. Okay. So that's quite the gap. Um, Yes. I'm going to rattle off a few things that it that are just coming to mind, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a kid who is somewhat dysregulated and excessively so for a nine-year-old, okay? Um, Okay. Either, well, that could be a kid who is quietly being bullied or abused by an older sibling or an older sibling's friends. Okay. Um that is experienced a few things. Basically, he's got an engine inside of him that is too big for his little body to process. Okay. And normally that engine slowly opens up over time. It happens through hormones. It happens through puberty. It happens through life experiences. We call that wisdom, right? And the, and the, the dream of a parent is that we can walk alongside our kids in these milestone markers as this thing, this engine slowly grows and opens up. If mm-hmm. there's sexual abuse at a young age, boom, that you have an adult engine inside of a child body. Now, if there mm-hmm. is bullying that goes on that, that accelerates the opening the growth of this engine inside of this little body and the body, it's just like putting a Ferrari engine inside of a, of a, of a, of a Prius. It, the, the, okay. the car can't handle the, the, what's under the hood. Right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it is external behaviors that have happened to this kid. And that's where, that's where a, um, 
Number one, I want you to, your immediate thought is that's not happening here. That should be your immediate thought as a good parent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the second thought should be something's happening and I'm going to yeah. go get it checked out. Okay. Do you think that, so due to the nature of my husband's employment, we do move fairly frequently. And when I say move, we're moving from state to state. Do you think that could be a reason why this dysregulation is happening? I mean, it could be. Okay. It could be. Um, I think, so I could go to the store right now. I have an old, I have an old pickup truck. I could go to the store and get six or seven different types of shocks on my truck. I could get mm-hmm. performance shocks that made, I could go over rocks. I could get um, like cruiser shocks that made it real smooth to drive down the road. I could get jacked up, like, you know, make my car talk. But all those shocks have different levels of sensitivity to them. Our kids are yeah. very much the same. That's how you can sit oh, at a okay. kitchen table and you tell one joke and three of your kids start dying laughing and one just goes into a frenzy and starts like, why are you making fun of me? And you're like, whoa. They, yeah. they naturally have a, a different level of sensitivity. All four yeah. of those shocks work great. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just different. And so we yeah. often try to crank, like we have, we have kids with different levels of sensitivity and you've got that and that's Okay. Um, in fact, that's beautiful and we want to honor that. It just looks different, different context and some things that may empower. I've got one kid that if we, we did, we moved a lot. It made him very resilient. My other kid, it would have been a much bigger challenge just Mm -hmm. because there was a a sensitivity there. Could be that, could be that. Um, it could just, like I mentioned, it could be a sensitivity. The other thing could be this. When you have four kids, there is somewhat of a hunger games for identity. Who am I? Right? Yes. Yeah. Do you see me? Hey, mom, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? And this is the the benefit and the curse of homeschooling is there is no other adult that can give your kid praise. You have to be the person. Yeah. And accidentally, not accidentally, it's very naturally, our children gravitate. They find a path towards here's how I'm seen. And Mm -hmm. sometimes when we catch our kids being good, which you said you and your husband do, which is awesome. We all parents need to spend more time catching their kids doing great things instead of pointing out the things that they're failing at. Yeah. But sometimes little younger kids will watch the praise that older siblings get for achievement and performance. Okay. And they will fall into a path of that's how I get mom and dad to love me. Mm-hmm. And then they're not as good as brother or sister. They're not as fast or as smart as brother and sister. And in their little minds, the path towards connectivity with mom and dad has been blocked because I suck. Yeah. You see, I, and, and actually, it, that's exactly what, what I see. Okay. Yeah, I can totally see that. That resonates a lot with us because my oldest started college when she was 12 and is a performance pianist. My Next oldest is a pianist or not a pianist, a performance guitarist. And so they have these things that they've excelled incredibly at. And he hasn't quite found his. <laughs> and then here comes Daryl and Daryl loves trucks. <laughs> right. right. And here's the, th- <laughs> yes. here's the challenge as a parent. Daryl's still awesome. Yes. And if it wasn't for the Daryl's in the world, princess piano players couldn't get themselves to and from practice. 
That's right. Right. And so (laughs) the challenge that you have as a parent is some very specific one-on-one time. This is a great opportunity for like the weekly breakfast in the morning that you do Mm -hmm. not have time for. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) But that your kid desperately needs. Yes. And it may be that once a week, mom and little Daryl go out for breakfast and the 15 year old has an opportunity to teach one of the morning lessons. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be, or dad stays at home on those mornings. But what we're going to start doing is being very intentional about relationship because we want to over time, this is not going to happen overnight. This is going to be like a one, two, five year journey you're on now. We want this. We want this kid to realize that there is no obstruction to any path I take towards love to Mm -hmm. mom. Yeah. Right. And yeah. um, yeah, So-and-so plays a piano. Great. My, I'll I'll give my dad and mom super props on this. I was a big um, super five, a high school football guy in, in, uh, in Texas. Right. That's a religion, right? My dad wore my letter jacket (laughs) around. It was a whole thing. There was like seven or 8,000 people that showed up every Friday to my games. It was a, it was a mayhem. My brother went to college on a cello scholarship and mm-hmm. he was a virtuoso. He was incredible, but it was, it was a, di- I, I remember going to college as my brother was entering high school thinking, I don't know how my dad's going to toggle this. And he did it masterfully mm-hmm. because he never, my brother always, he went to all the concerts. He cheered for him. He talked to him about the performance. He made sure he was practicing. He went to my brother's like rock band shows. So it was a, my it, it, my dad and my both my dad and my mom did a masterful job of never making anybody feel less than. Does that make sense? And mm-hmm. that just is your goal. Yeah. And man, it's awesome when you can go to church and talk about. Well, Susie's just won another national competition playing the piano, and little Billy is also good. And Daryl loves trucks, right? It's it doesn't sound yeah. doesn't have a quite ring to it. That's your job as mom and dad. Yeah, but all okay. I have to say is I would. Um, I would set up an appointment with a play therapy. He's nine. I think that would be a really valuable exercise just to get an outside perspective and to rule out that some things happen behind closed doors that we didn't know about. Is there some bullying going on? Is there some abusive tendencies going on? Is there some overly type A older brother and sister that this nine-year-old is internalizing as less than, like whatever. A, a great therapist can help ferret some of that out. And it may just be your nine-year-old sees the older ones and says, oh, that's how to get mom and dad to love me. And in a busy house with four little kids and you're running around and homeschooling, it's real easy to say, way to go. You did a great job on that exam. You did a great job on this thing. And suddenly the kids adopt achievement as the way to mom and dad's heart. And then as parents, it's our job to let them know on a regular basis, not just with words, but demonstrating it. I'll always love you, regardless of what you do, regardless of where you go. You've always got a place here, both in my home and in my heart, because you're my kid. That's a tough mission for every parent, but that's what we signed up for. Di, thank you so much for your call. Thank you for having easily the best name of anyone who's ever called into this show. Um, And thank you for caring about all of your kids. All of them. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out 
or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, close this one down. I'll let you decide which song, which which caller this song applies to. It's by the All-American Rejects. The song's called Dirty Little Secret. It goes like this. Let me know that I've done wrong when I've known this all along. I go around a time or two just to waste my time with you. Tell me all that you've thrown away. Find out games you don't want to play. You're the only one that needs to know. I'll keep you my dirty little secret. Don't tell anyone or you'll just be another regret. Hope you can keep it, my dirty little secret. They couldn't. Don't keep secrets. It never works. I love you guys. We'll see you soon.